Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. It's Monday, the 18th of January. I'm Michelle Martin. Good morning. Asia Pacific shares are starting the week off on a negative note. Tokyo is the worst performer, down 0.8%. Seoul and Sydney are not far behind, though. Investor sentiment has been hurt by news that the Trump administration has revoked export licenses for several of Huawei's key U.S. suppliers. Investors will have a lot on their plates this week. And joining me now to break down all the market activities Action is Pan Jingyi, market strategist with IG. She's going to be filling in for the next two weeks for our Ryan Huang, who is on leave. How are you doing, Jingyi? Good morning and happy Monday. Good, thank you. Okay, that's good. Looking rather cold, Jingyi. <laughs> it's a freezer in here, guys. It really is. All right, we have a momentous week ahead of us in approximately 64 hours, just a little more than two and a half days. Joseph R. Biden will be sworn in as the 46th President of the United States, bringing to an end at least officially, the tumultuous Trump era. There will, of course, still be the epilogue of Trump's trial in the U.S. Senate on charges of inciting the insurrection in the U.S. Capitol. I want to start this morning, Jingyi, asking you about Biden's inaugural speech. Now, he's expected to call for a national healing in the wake of the Capitol riots that took place not quite two weeks ago. As an investor, though, Jingyi, what what do you think investors are going to be looking for in his speech and what do you think markets will be looking out for? It was so, um, Michelle, you mentioned that with respect to President like Joe Biden, there's going to be call of healing. I think broadly, this itself, I think it's the key thing, at least from what I'm seeing. So to a large extent, what we have had with the U.S. Um, politics so far, well, the market managed to shrug that off. But I think, you know, just really in terms of how things are going to move forward, how both parties, the Republicans and also the Democrats, are going to really get together to push through some of this fiscal policies of, I think it's what the market is hoping for, especially with the massive amount that President like Joe Biden had previously announced last week at $1.9 trillion. So I think in that end itself, the market's going to see that, well, healing message really come through to push sentiment. Evidently, he's expected to, well, um, well get back into the likes of, well, the Paris uh, Climate Accord and the not some of the other um, items that, you know, President Donald Trump had previously put into. But I think at least with those items, it's not expected to really be the market moving ones. Mm, you're right. Biden's administration expected to identify four crises facing the U.S., COVID-19, the economic downturn, racial injustice and climate change change. Now, he's planning a 10-day blitz of executive orders, actions to address these crises. And on day one, that U.S. rejoining the Paris Climate Accord matter that you raised and to end a ban on immigration as well from several Muslim-majority countries. Biden also expected to mandate mask wearing on federal property and during interstate travel. Now, Biden also announced that 1.9 trillion U.S. dollar stimulus plan. We don't know yet if it's going to make it through Congress, but if it does... What impact do you expect this to have on the U.S. economy? Yeah, so, um, Michelle, I think, you know, with respect to this, it's up to 1.9 trillion number. I think the market does see that having been slightly maybe above what the market was expecting and that could really see to kind of pressure at least um, some of the hurdles in the Congress itself. So there was a bit of a pairing of gains for markets into the end of last week. But I think, you know, coming back to what this itself is going to mean, I think if it really does come through um, at the number that we have, 
have seen being reported last week. That's going to be a bit of a boost, at least for markets. And I think, you know, really for the economy, um, it's pretty much seen as something that very much is needed. December retail sales having really declined as well in the U.S. last week, down 0.7% of the headline number. So it's showing that this kind of spending is slowing down in the winter months and with the COVID-19 resurgence. So getting this money back to the people, I think that's going to be something that's really important for the U.S. economy. Mm, Goldman Sachs has raised its economic forecast for the U.S. though. Over the weekend, its economists predicting the U.S. economy will grow 6.6% this year. I want to turn now to the U.S. dollar jingy. Conventional wisdom has been that the greenback could weaken this year. And we saw signs of that happening towards the end of last year. In the first two weeks of 2021, though, just the opposite has occurred. So do you think this was a short-term aberration or was conventional wisdom wrong? Yeah, well, so Michelle, I think... I think really the path of less resistance, at least for the greenback right now, it's one of sideways trade. Now you mentioned, yes, we did enter this year itself, really looking to the US dollar coming down. And that is with the expectation and the ex- uh, just really the consensus, I can say that, you know, expecting things to get rosier with more fiscal injection from the US economy and well, vaccine development really helping to see a brighter outlook for the markets. And in turn with the US dollar, this well, what's considered a safe haven as well could come under pressure. But moving to this year, of course, I think, you know, we talk about 1.9 trillion, massive mm-hmm. amount over there. And that could re- well, really seem to a bit of a um, shift, I think, at least in terms of the views that we may be seeing this US exceptionalism, this US growth with the vaccine coming through quite strongly more there than maybe many parts of the other parts of the world. So that really has seen the US dollar finding a bit of a strength. But I do think that this itself is still seen to be a bit of a short-term um, expectation, even as you know we talk about many of these people revising up their expectation with the US Treasury yield for the year end. Um, it's still expected to be slight and with the US dollar that's not going to be seen to be too much pressure. So US dollar index moving just above 90 level right now I think that's going to be where it's going to stay at mm. least for the coming few months Now Biden's nominee to become US Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen reportedly is set to tell the US Congress she will not actively seek a weaker US dollar but the Biden administration will leave it to the markets to set the rate So Jingyi, what do you think of Biden's selection of former Fed Chair to be his Treasury Secretary? Yeah well so I think definitely the market does see her as a well very very qualified candidate for the matter and she herself has really been one focus on the economy so I think that's not going to change um, and I think it, it really you know we have had four years of President Donald Trump and quite a lot of instances where the president himself veered into the territory that's pretty much seen to be of the central banks and that commenting on the currency market and that I think you know it's well, at least with the incoming Treasury Secretary uh, Janet Yellen and of course Joe Biden himself, I think the expectation is that's going to be left alone uh, with um, Treasury Secretary um, Janet Yellen coming through. I think the expectation is that she will well, be one focused really on well repairing the economy at least, I think, you know, moving forward. Mm, Alright, one more question about the US economy before we move on. This one is about equity markets. CNBC ran a story this weekend with a headline about a quote, adrenaline-fueled rush for small caps, vaccine plays and story stocks. So the article argued that the most dramatic stock market action has been in specialty small caps, not the blue chips. What is your take on this, particularly as we look to the year ahead? 
Yeah, well, so Michelle, I think you know there always been this kind of broad recovery in the picture, but the the, the fact is also that the COVID nineteen pandemic had been one that's really seen to a bit of a divide in the market, and what the market had actually really seen to is the small caps really had been under pressure um, previously, and that with the COVID nineteen spread really well affecting these guys. But you know, moving forward, a lot of this um, themes that the market is seeing at this point, especially with the vaccine and distribution seems to be centering around the small caps, around the vaccine plays. And I think that doesn't come across as a surprise as well. Now, definitely, you know, if we do see this trend really continuing and over here in IG, we have been tracking the Russell 2000. That, I think, saw a little bit of a blip at the start of the year, perhaps some profit taking. But amazingly, has actually gone back into that kind of uptrend. So definitely in terms of valuation, I'll be a little bit concerned. But, you know, that being said as well, the fact is also the team's that the market is seeing. This is already a very strong conviction theme and I think it's going to provide some support even if there could actually be a bit of more um, back and forth just moving a little bit forward. They are the ones expected to really be the ones powering ahead. Alright, not for investors. US markets close this evening for a public holiday the celebration of Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. Alright, let us bring the discussion back to Asia. China's economy ahead of the global curve is likely the only major economy to have avoided economic contraction in 2020. Economists expect 2020 growth numbers will come in at around 2.2%. We've also been seeing some signs that the People's Bank of China is beginning to pull some liquidity out of the system. Now, On Friday, the central bank's vice governor tried to reassure markets, saying the PBOC will provide support for China's economy and its prioritizing policy stability. Jingyi, what do you think? Do investors need to be prepared then for a tighter monetary supply in China? Is the PBOC going to tighten the money supply ahead of other countries and should investors be prepared for this? Yeah, well, so Michelle, I think, you know, if we look from the policy objective point of view, um, definitely with regards to the Chinese economy, they have been actually doing a little bit better. Well, I could say maybe a lot better <laughs> compared to many parts of the world, even though there's been some instances of resurgence in the northern part of China at this point of time. Uh, but I think, you know, that, that being said as well, even if it should be the case for China to move ahead of the rest, I think we're not seeing that coming through anytime soon. It's still too early to talk about well, some form of tightening or another. And, you know, we just said there is actually some signs of resurgence in the northern part of China with COVID-19. And that had also seen to millions of people coming under lockdown. So that could put a bit of a pressure once again on the services sector. So we don't really see or expect the well, the, the PBOC themselves to really move ahead. Data-wise, yes, it's been robust, resilient, but I think they're still watching in terms of how exports orders are um, well repairing themselves um, into the new year. Chinese equities are trading near the highest levels in about 13 years. The Shenzhen Composite jumped more than 30% over the past year. Shanghai up 16%. Some investors starting to be concerned that Chinese stocks have become too expensive and that perhaps a bubble is forming. A Bloomberg article, for example, points to a battery maker called Ganfeng Lithium. That's trading at 125 times projected earnings, for example. So what are your thoughts on the China market? market and are Chinese stocks overvalued? 
It was a Michelle this another one stems from the fact that the Chinese economy had been faring relatively better than the rest part of the world and we know financial markets always were forward looking so to this extent the pouring in into the Chinese market um, doesn't come as a surprise as well but uh, you know that being said as well um, I would say that you know there are also this kind of shift as well to the rest of Asia um, the rest of which catching up so I think you know there's going to be this kind of substitution effect just really moving forward as well so far with the Chinese A50 chart we are well, tracking on IG yes that it, it had been elevated to start the year but um, in the last week itself I think prices did come down a little maybe some of the headlines there having been ones to help as well uh, but I think you know it's been a little bit cool since last week and I would say that you know more could actually be even shifting towards here in Singapore as well some of the ASEAN markets is due to actually well rally ahead and do some catch up to China now here in Singapore the activist investors courts is making headlines again investors may remember courts won a bruising battle with Sabana and ESR rates preventing their merger now courts has its sights set on a precision plastics components maker called Sunningdale Tech uh, what's the latest here why is courts upset at Sunningdale yeah well so in courts case well there actually has been announcement on November 9th so earlier the Sunningdale chairman and major shareholder um, had actually teamed up with a unit of Novo Talis PE fund to offer minority shareholders at Sing $1.55 per Sunningdale share. Now, Quartz themselves had grumbled that this is actually very opportunistic and coming really after an expand, extended period of heavy capital expenditure by Sunningdale. So, um, they are actually saying this is actually capping the returns for minority investors with the offer. Um, and so, therefore, actually really had one to come through to block the deal itself and they're encouraging other shareholders who share similar views um, to actually join them as well. So I think it's one that's in the works and we'll see how that all pans out. Indeed. She's Panjing Yi. I'm Michelle Martin talking about what markets are talking about this Monday morning. Another local headline caught my eye. The investment firm KKR has set up a 1.7 billion US dollar Asia property fund. It expects to invest 10 to 15 percent of that fund here in Singapore over the next two years. That would seem to be a bullish endorsement of Singapore property. What is your take on the market here? Yeah, well, so Michelle, I think, you know, just want to point out as well with regards to what KKR had mentioned, they mm. are actually looking to Singapore suburban malls on expectation domestic demand will hold up well, as well as the office market. Um, so I think, you know, it, it, when it comes to the property market in Singapore, so far it's been an interesting picture, definitely with regards to the housing side of things. And likewise, you know, we see it look across the China, uh, the, the, the first in first out guy here. Um, they've been holding rather resilient, but for the retail side of things, for the office side of things, due to the pandemic is really well dampened the picture quite significantly but moving forward you know we pretty much I think you know when we talk about themes just like the small caps a lot of the guys who are looking into the property side will actually be seeing as you know as the vaccine gets rolled around more people get shifted back into the office more people who have this pent-up demand uh, to actually shop to even travel overseas to shop I think these are the ones that expected to catch on the next wave of recovery so not surprised at what we're seeing here and 
I wouldn't be surprised as well, likewise for retail side of things, that more of this investment could return to look into the office and also the retail space. Mm, let's check in on local stocks. The STI finished up a fraction of a percent on Friday at 3,003. Uh, the STI up more than 18% though over the past three months. So, Jingyi, do you expect the STI to test support at the 3,000 level or do you expect bullish sentiment to carry this index higher? Yeah, so Michelle, we had the Straits Times index really flirting, I would say, with the 3,000 level in the, into the end of last week itself. Um, you know, we talk about the factors. There's been quite a number of uh, vaccine hopes and then there is the treasury yield rising, helping the local banks as well. Uh, but this morning, we're certainly looking at least from my screens here that the Straits Times index is actually lasting down 15.42 points, which is about 0.5% to 2,989. So back below the 3,000 level. Um, this in line with the rest of the region. In fact, we're seeing maybe some of the early movers, the ASX, the Nikkei coming under greater pressure. Um, this, of course, with the well, leads coming through from Wall Street last Friday hasn't been all that positive. And also, I think, you know, just really with the level itself, Singapore index waiting for some strong catalyst coming through. Now, with US markets closed tonight, what else are you going to be looking for in Asian trade today, Jingyi? Yeah, well, Michelle, as I mentioned, you know, it's not going to be easing into Monday. So far, we have quite a number of releases coming through. And this morning, of course, the Singapore Nodex number have been a bit of a surprise. Um, but that being said, the market's focus for Asia is going to China. Um, Q4 GDP numbers expected in the early hours, well, quite imminently less than an hour, actually. Um, and a company which will have the industrial production and retail sales from December. Now, the headline Q4 GDP from China is expected a 6.1% strong number in itself. Um, but, you know, really, I think with the industrial production and retail sales, the market's just really hoping and that, you know, despite the resurgence that's been seen in China, that's not going to be too much affecting um, these readings to continue indicating that robust recovery for China altogether. She's a market strategist with IG Pan Jingyi. I'm Michelle Martin. The rest of your money is coming straight up. Thanks, Jingyi. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.